All right, folks, maybe I'm the only one who's going to see the humor in this. But listen to these words of wisdom from the second gentleman. In other words, the husband of the vice president. Can we just talk about masculinity for a moment? Um, Has being second gentleman changed your own view of perceived gender roles or what it means to be a man? That's, this is something I've, I've thought about a lot and something I've spoken about a lot. There's too much of toxicity, it, it, masculine toxicity out there. And there, we've kind of confused what it means to be a man, what it means to be masculine. Yes, folks, you should be taking advice about masculinity and tos- toxic masculinity from the second gentleman. And it's not because he's the second gentleman that I think it's ironic. I think the fact that who he's the second gentleman to is the humorous part here. I mean, a man who is picking up super sloppy seconds probably isn't the guy that I'm going to trust on anything having to do with masculinity. Maybe, just maybe, it's me. I don't know. But how about this? Why don't we start the introduction of this program with the voice of my beautiful, toxically feminine wife, Mrs. BCP, an immigrant to this country. And then we'll get into some news and my analysis. That is, if you can handle my toxic patriotism. Welcome to Open Source News. Please like, share, and subscribe and hit the notification bell so you don't miss a thing. Have a blessed day. Given I'm going to report a little bit on this today, I don't want you to confuse this color scheme with Ukraine. This is actually Sweden. My wife and I were wearing matching Sweden football jerseys because we went to a Eurocentric event today and we wanted to play cute matchy-matchy couple. So this is for you, Sweden, not for you, Ukraine. Welcome to Open Source News. My name is James, Black Conservative Patriot. Appreciate you being here. Let's get into some more wacky news and ironic news. Maybe you have my sixth sense of humor and you will also find, I don't know if this is actually funny. I shouldn't preface it by saying that it's sense of humor Or just maybe my sense of irony would be a better way of putting it. Since today is Sunday, and many of you worship today at your churches, or maybe you worshiped yesterday at your synagogue, or my uh, Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters who worship on Saturday, let me let you know that there are other people who are planning a mass celebration and worship in Boston, and that's the Satanic Temple. They have announced that their SatanCon 2023, a weekend of blasphemy, will be held in Boston this April. Bear with me, folks. There is actually a punchline here, which to me is, I don't know. You'll see what I mean here in a second. So this conference, which they're having in late April, is being hyped up as a weekend of blasphemy and remembrance in Boston. 
The Satanic Temple has touted this as the largest Satanic gathering in history. It will celebrate their 10-year anniversary and feature talks on Satanism and rural America, reclaiming the body, Satanism, and self-pleasure. Okay, remember that. Reclaiming the body and self-pleasure. They're going to have a Satanic ball on the opening night, and they're going to have a Satanic marketplace. But to attend this Satanic conference, of which it's about self-pleasure and reclaiming your body, remember the Satanic temple says that abortion is one of their one of their rituals because a non-viable tissue in a woman's body can be reclaimed and she can do whatever she wants with it because of body autonomy. That's part of reclaiming their body and self-pleasure and what have you. That being said, SatanCon attendees must be 18 years or older and have proof of having the injection. They have to have proof of having the injection. They're also obligated to to wear an N95, KN95, or disposable surgical mask. Gators, bandanas, and cloth masks are not allowed. That's right. Do you better celebrate self-pleasure and the reclaiming of your body? You must submit to an injection and you must wear these three types of masks or you will not be allowed into this satanic temple gathering. Anybody else see the irony in that? That they're all about body autonomy, but you can't come to their conference unless you give up the autonomy of your body. And subject yourself to questionable injections and wear a mask. Well, folks, this is a wacky world where I'm just going to just read you this headline. And it'll just tell you, it'll just be something that only makes sense in 2023. Here's the headline. Not all ovarian cancer victims are women says London's government-funded museum. Welcome to 2023. Remember, oh, I don't know, not too long ago, I want to say that we were looking at this about a year ago in April of 2022. Nina Jankowitz, remember her? Well, her 15 minutes of fame was up a long time ago, but she's trying to resurrect it. If you remember, this is Biden's ex-disinformation czar. Well, she's now soliciting $100,000 to be able to sue Fox News and for other costs. Man, these grifters. Man, look, these people are sociopaths anyway, so they have no shame in their game. They're what we call an Espanol sinvergüenza. Shameless. Now, in English, having no shame or shameless just does not have the weight and the connotation that in Spanish it has when you say someone's un sinvergüenza, or they're acting sinvergüenza, without shame. But that is exactly what Nina uh, Jankowicz is. The short-lived disinformation czar for the Biden Department of Homeland Security is soliciting funds for a lawsuit against Fox News for allegedly spreading lies about her. She posted a five-minute video, which I could not make it past 90 seconds, it was so damn ridiculous, to her Twitter account, along with a GoFundMe page, asking for money to sue Fox News. According to the GoFundMe page, she is seeking to raise $100,000 
And when I last looked at it, she had 10,000. Let me click on it again. Uh, she now has $12,502. She posted, Fox News lied about me hundreds of times to tens of millions of people. Help me, help me hold them accountable for the harm they do. Help me hold them for harm. There was almost triple alliteration there with the letter H. Not quite, but if you know me, I'm a fan of alliteration. Now, back in April of last year, the Biden administration created the Disinformation Governance Board, which was supposed to be situated within the Department of Homeland Security to combat disinformation and focus on disinformation regarding the U.S. southern border, but also Russian disinformation. The administration appointed Jankowicz, a former advisor to Ukraine, as its executive director. Let's just say this, folks. She's suing Fox News, but she's also the one that was out there saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Something that we now know was disinformation. Well, we knew at the time that she said it, it was disinformation, but even the disinformation agents, also known as the Marxist mainstream media Muppets, the, excuse me, I like alliteration, so let me correct that, the Mockingbird mainstream media Muppets, now even they are saying, yeah, that laptop is legitimate after all, yet she wants to, fo- she wants to sue Fox News, a, I would say, disinformation agent in that they just do not report on certain things that are important to know. I would say they're more of a disinformation by the sin of omission than commission when it comes to Fox News. I don't know. Am I the only one seeing the irony in these stories? Maybe that's just the way my brain is wired or the way I've been brought up. Well, since we're talking about Hunter Biden and the laptop from hell, How about some positive news, in a way. I don't know if it's positive news, but it's not bad news. Turns out the Treasury Department, after all, will be testifying to the House Oversight Committee this coming Friday about its withholding of the 150 suspicious activity reports that I previously reported on. These are reports that were generated uh, from looking at transactions by the Biden family and their associates for unusual foreign or high dollar transactions. The Treasury's Jonathan C. Davidson, Assistant Secretary for Legislative Affairs, will testify before the committee about why the agency has refused to provide the suspicious activity reports, which often contain evidence of potential criminal activities such as money laundering and fraud. If you're new around here, Until fairly recently, I was a vice president at an FDIC-insured bank, a federally insured bank. I've been in finance and I've been in banking and investment banking most of my adult life, starting at the age of 21, working for Bank of America. And you have to take these ABA courses, these uh, uh, banking courses every year to certify that you are aware of how to look for money laundering and other fraud in retail banking. So any retail banker will will tell you that they have to take these courses either annually or every couple of years depending on your position. 
Why do we have to do this? Even if uh, I haven't been in managing at the retail level of a bank for several years, but you have to do this because banks are liable for not reporting suspicious activity. Yet the Bidens are involved in this and they're able to just go like this and say, screw you, we're not going to do anything. Well, this is, a, this is a positive development in that finally James Comer is going to be able to have them testify. I don't know the hierarchy, but as far as titles are concerned, this uh, person who's coming out the Assistant Secretary for Legislative Affairs. I don't know. If, you know, Secretary for uh, uh, Legislative Affairs, the Assistant. I don't know if we're getting a B player here, probably. But at least it's something of a movement, somewhat of a respect for the Oversight Committee. Let's see if they plead the fifth, or maybe it'll be entertaining. I will cover it if there's anything noteworthy next weekend. Comer stated yesterday in a Saturday press release that he intends to also examine legislative solutions to ensure Congress has timely access to these SARs. So this is this is what we have to do, folks. They don't reply. They can just thumb their noses at the Oversight Committee. You have to look into even more legislation so that this doesn't happen again or you can mitigate this happening in the future. All right. Speaking of reports, the SARs or suspicious activity reports, now let's talk about another report. I try, folks, I try to have somewhat interesting segues and transitions in between stories. Give me some credit. Actually, don't give me credit. I'm not a pandering type. But if I were the pandering type, I would ask you to please go ahead and hit the like, share, and subscribe buttons that we have down below. Also, do me a favor. Check out our sister channel, The BCP Report. We've been reporting over the weekend over there. My daughter, BCP Juniorette, has. And we have a show called BCP Unfiltered, where I talk about and analyze and report on and comment on news stories that we just don't touch here on YouTube you can find that over at therealbcp.com. Just go and join our locals uh, community uh, for free over there. Just go over there for free and uh, and check it out. And you can see what we have there. We have exclusive and non-exclusive uh, content. Uh, you can also check us out at bcpextras.com. BCBExtras.com is a place where you want to go where if you're not really interested in a social media environment, you just want to go in and see all the listed episodes of BCP Unfiltered, then check us out on BCBExtras.com. If you want to do it, but you want to be more in a social media, then join us over um, at, B, at the, TheRealBCP.com. You can also listen to it in the podcast format at BCPPodcast.com. You can actually watch the video version of it on Spotify. A lot of people don't know that Spotify is also a video format. People can upload their podcasts in both video and audio formats. Okay, that's how I pay the bills, folks, by having you go over and check out what we do on our other show, 
And if you like it, you can support us and join. But once again, just go over there. We have exclusive and non-exclusive content, meaning information that you can freely get and then other information that you can pay to access. Okay, speaking of reports, there was a Border Patrol, a Border Patrol report that was obtained by the Washington Examiner. And it reveals the number of bodies that the agents have discovered or remains of bodies in fiscal year 2022. The number is a ghastly 880. But here's the sad thing. This number is grossly underreported. The total for fiscal year 2022 was the deadliest year on record for migrant deaths at the southwest border. Now, this number only includes those recoveries reported by the Border Patrol. So the number is significantly higher because it doesn't count people who died that were discovered by Mexican authorities or that were recovered from authorities away from the border. So sometimes they make it away from the border. The Border Patrol doesn't catch them. They make it a few miles in and a sheriff might get them or some other law enforcement might pick them up or what have you. Now, I don't want to get into too many details here, gruesome details, but let's just look at this by looking at empirical data, right? So Joe Biden and his people blame everything on Trump, which is ridiculous, of course. So let's look at that number, 880. That's the deadliest year so far. Oh, also in this article by the Washington Examiner, it also mentions that this number is probably underreported because Border Patrol is not as active on the border as they used to be because they are now essentially processing illegal aliens and working as the red carpet welcoming committee. So there's less border patrol agents to even find these bodies. So let's compare this number to the last year that President Trump was in the Oval Office, the last year of his first term, in which border patrol was actually patrolling the border. That year would be 2020, and the number of border deaths was 254. 254, the last year of the first term of President Trump, compared to 880. And we're supposedly the heartless, right-wing, Republican conservatives who don't care about people. But why am I more heartbroken about this than your average Democrat who doesn't care about this? Because Democrats are fake. They really are a godless, sick people. And I don't think you have to be Christian. A lot of you aren't Christian. And you too are. You have your heart softened and moved and touched by the fact that these are poor migrants who are dying at the hands of cartels. They've been sold lies about how easy it is to come to America. And they're perishing, losing their lives in the process. There's also people losing their lives in unnecessary conflicts and are warmongering. But that's okay. There's more money for the Ukraine-Russian conflict. Would you believe, it seems like every single day, there's more and more money being given to Ukraine. The latest number as of uh, Friday is $400 million. The United States responded Friday to a Russian warning against arming arming Ukraine by offering a further $400 million in security assistance. This happened as Joe Biden hosted German Chancellor Olaf Scholz 
in a show of unity against Moscow. A show of unity in which they continue to rape and pillage from the American taxpayer. It just continues. And guess what is continuing, folks? We have yet another train derailment in Ohio on a Norfolk Southern line. And residents were told to shelter in place. The train derailed in Springfield this evening. It happened on the Norfolk Southern tracks between Bird Road and State Route 41, also known as South Charleston Pike. And as you can see, cars are not allowed past those barriers behind me. But what we do know is about 20 cars derailed off of a 212 train which was traveling south through Springfield. According to Norfolk Southern, no one was hurt and no hazardous materials were involved. I've seen several emergency crews here to help with the cleanup, including Springfield police and fire departments. Alerts have been sent out to people living nearby to stay inside as a precaution. And some people are also experiencing power outages. No hazardous materials, but people in the vicinity were asked to shelter in place just in case. Folks, what's really happening here now? This may be a developing story. They're saying that there was no hazard material. They're going to clean up the whole thing. But once again, it's Norfolk Southern in Ohio. I mean, are these acts of terror? Are these acts of happen chance, happenstance? Are these acts of, oh, I don't know, corporate sabotage by a competitor? I don't know what's going on here, folks. But this is getting freaking ridiculous. And I know one thing that I do know, I do know one thing that I do know, that does not sound like a very smart statement. It's the end of the week, folks. I appreciate you being here and bearing with me. But this I do know. I don't trust Norfolk Southern, and I don't trust the EPA, and I don't trust the government to tell us what's really going on. What are your thoughts, folks? Am I missing something? Tell me what's going on down below. I'd very much like to have your input. If you didn't watch my last two episodes, I did detailed analysis of what President Trump presented at CPAC yesterday, Saturday. Let me give you some other reporting on President Trump, his candidacy, CPAC, Ron DeSantis, and the election of 2024. President Trump easily won the Conservative Political Action Conference's CPAC straw poll for the 2024 Republican Party presidential nominee yesterday. He received 62% support in the poll, and that was completed by more than 2,000 CPAC attendees. That puts him 40 points higher than the second-place candidate. Of course, the second-place candidate is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who came in second, receiving 20 percent support. That's quite a bit of support, folks, for a person who isn't officially running yet. Though, as I've reported, he's going on a book tour to talk about what he's the blueprint from Florida, which, of course, is going to be the blueprint for America based on what he did in Florida, if and when he actually officially goes on the campaign trail against President Trump. A lot of political experts expect DeSantis to announce his candidacy later this spring in the next uh, couple months or maybe early summer. 
that would put it at the end of Florida's current legislative session. That's what they're thinking. Now, uh, the only two people who have actually put their names in the hat, right, are former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley and former Governor and Vivek uh, Ramaswamy are the only two that declared the candidacy. Uh, They were featured in the poll and they both got in the single digits. We actually had Nikki Haley with uh, 3% and Ramaswamy, is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, With 1%. Also at 1% are people who have not even saying they're running, like Senator Rand Paul and Ted Cruz. But here's the sad thing. Mike Pompeo also received only 1% support, and he's one that pretty much we know is going to be running out there. And uh, here's an interesting thing. The person who came in third with 5% support was Michigan businessman Perry Johnson who tried to run for governor of his state. He came in above all these other people. He's essentially an unknown. Isn't that interesting? By the way, the Florida GOP chairman, Christian Zeigler, when this is their position on the Trump-DeSantis battle, the Republican Party of Florida will stay neutral and allow the grassroots to choose their ideal nominee for 2024, particularly in the light of the battle between former President Donald Trump, a Florida resident, by the way, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Florida GOP Chairman Christian Zegler reported this to Breitbart News yesterday, Saturday. Zegler, who recently won his re-election, elevating him to the chairmanship position, explained that he has a great relationship with both Trump and DeSantis, praising each of the two leaders. President Trump was one of the greatest presidents we've ever had, if not the greatest. I mean, he really laid the foundation. We have a lot of Republicans that are running for office that are like true fighters and we didn't have before. And that's because of his leadership, his tone, his focus, and his style. Governor DeSantis, he has not announced that he's running for president yet. I mean, we'll see if he does or not. But I don't know if there's been a better governor in the history of this country than Governor Ron DeSantis. We're going to support both men. We're going to stay neutral and we're going to allow the grassroots to pick and then whoever they pick, we're going to make sure they get elected, whether it's President Trump or Governor DeSantis. We're going to let the grassroots pick. We're going to work like hell to get them elected afterwards. Would be nice if the establishment GOP did that, but of course, they are all in for anybody but President Trump. President Trump laid out his bold policy initiatives on Saturday. And this is one of the ones that I find very important that we support President Trump on. He's vowing yet again to withdraw the U.S. from the World Health Organization. He would do that as president, especially in light of Joe Biden wanting us to be beholden to the World Health Organization for them to determine our policies and our responses to pandemics, outbreaks, etc. You know, WHO is another puppet 
of the CCP. See how it all works? They control Biden, they control the World Health Organization, and then everyone just plays a role on China's behalf and making America last. Speaking of last, most believe that Joe Biden should, this should be his only and last term. Joe Biden's age remains a concern for Americans. Should he serve a second term? A Rasmussen report survey released Friday found that they don't think that he is physically and that he's up for it due to his age. The survey showed likely voters demonstrating waning confidence in Biden's physical and mental ability to serve as president. While 50% said they are at least somewhat confident that he is physically and mentally up for the job, only 30% were very confident. The survey also found a plurality, 48%, expressing belief that others are making decisions for Biden behind the scenes rather than the president actually doing the job himself. Only 44% believe he is really doing the job as president. And there you go, folks. That's the news I want to bring you to end the weekend. I'll be back, possibly with a midnight show. I'm not sure. There's a 50-50% chance that I'll do a midnight show. Those are fun. That's a live event that happens at midnight. Let's just say I'm 40% chance I'll do one. 60% chance I might not, but I think I might like to do one. If you want to know if I'm going to do it or not, make sure that you are subscribed and you hit the notification bell. Please hit like on your way out and don't forget to check out our other shows. Links to everything are down below. Until the next one, ciao, goodbye, God bless. Thanks for joining us on Open Source News. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and turn on the notifications bell so you don't miss out on any real news.